Well, good morning. Happy New Year, Regen. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm Dick Wiedenheft, um, and I get to be on the leadership team here at Regen as the lead pastor. And, um, (laughs) woo! (laughs) And a good way to, to start a new year is with vision, with the question of where are we going in 2024, and where is God taking Regen? I've been here five months now, and I've tried to begin my time here with listening and learning, and uh, not to just rush past that into making plans and setting directions, because what I need and what we all need to pay attention to most is what is God doing here? What is God doing in the lives of all of you? What is God stirring among us? And um, stirring up in our hearts. What makes Regen unique and different than other churches around us? And and what's the next step in what God might want to do in us and through us going forward? So this past fall, in in various different ways, we we took time to, to listen together. We had a day of prayer in December, a night of prayer. Um, Some of you did prayer walks in your neighborhood. Our our leaders, our staff, and our oversight team took time together to pray and to listen and also to do some discerning and discussion regarding uh, where God is taking us, particularly in the area of outreach. Some of you gathered at other times as well to to pray and to listen. And and all that while, I've been taking notes, sometimes literally, sometimes taking mental notes, just looking for themes and recurring patterns that I and other leaders have been sensing as we've been doing this. And and I'd like to share some of that with you this morning. Not that we have it all figured out yet, but a a few things are starting to become clear. So this is more a progress report than a final word. (laughs) One of the images that that has come to my mind again and again in, in past weeks as we've been doing this it is an image that repeatedly appears in the Bible. It's an image that we saw in December as we were looking at the last couple chapters of the book of Revelation. Remember in Revelation, the, the new creation that God is preparing for us and is preparing us for is pictured as a new city of Jerusalem. And God is present in the midst of her. And what is flowing out of that city but a river clear and refreshing of living water bringing life and blessing to the world and and that's an image that appears actually repeatedly in scripture in fact it's an image that not only ends the bible it's also right there at the beginning of the bible if you read right the second chapter genesis chapter 2 and the description of the garden of eden you read that a river flows out of it flowing out of god's garden to water the earth And one of the places that this this image of of the river flowing out of God's presence is described most fully is a prophecy in the book of Ezekiel. And so I thought, let's look there to really get our minds and our hearts around the image of this river. So please turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 47, if you have your Bible or pull it up on your phone. In a minute, I'm going to read it, and then we'll we'll talk about what it means and, and what it means for regen and where we're going. 
And just to set the scene and, and to remember the context in which Ezekiel gives this vision, if we went back to Ezekiel 40, we'd find out that the time in history into which this prophecy is given is a time when God's people are living in dark days. God's temple at this point in history in Jerusalem lies in ruins. God's people are scattered and suffering in exile. And this turn of events has, has demolished the hopes and dreams of God's people. They're devastated. They're traumatized. They're confused. They're beaten down. And, and then God gives Ezekiel this grand vision of a restored, renewed land. And, and in the midst of it all, a new temple which um, will be way grander and better than any that they'd known before. And what's even better, God will come and dwell in this temple. And now in chapter 47, we get to the point where Ezekiel, as he's having this vision, sees a life-giving river flowing out from this temple. So picture this with me as I read it. Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 12. The man, this is the guy, the guy doing the guided tour of this vision. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the to the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was waist deep. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engalim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. What a picture, but what does it mean? Well, the New Testament actually helps us make some sense of it. 
First of all, we learn in the New Testament that we are the temple that Ezekiel sees in his vision. The temple he saw was never built in a physical way to the, to the scale and the dimensions of the vision that he had, if you go back and read chapter 40 and following. And some think it still might be built in the future, but whether you agree or not, what is clear is that the New Testament focuses us on the fact that right now, we are God's temple. For example, Ephesians says that we are joined together and we rise to become a holy temple to the Lord, um, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. First Peter says that we're living stones being built together into a spiritual house for God. First Corinthians says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Right now, we are the place where God's presence dwells. Second, John's gospel tells us that, uh, tells us what the river is. <laughs> Jesus says in John chapter 7, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John adds, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So whatever else Ezekiel's vision might mean, the primary thing Jesus wants us to get is this. If we have put our trust in Jesus, we are God's temple. God's presence dwells in us by his spirit. And what's more, God's spirit flows out of us like a river, bringing life and healing to dead and barren places. Wow, huh? <laughs> what a vision. That's who we are. That's who we're becoming. That's what our purpose is. And whether you think right now that you're much like that or not, will you at least affirm the vision with me? Will, will you say it out loud? We are God's temple. We are God's temple. God lives within us. God's spirit flows out of us like a river of living water. Amen. <laughs> Let, let's look more closely now and, and unfurl this wonderful banner that, that Ezekiel gives us and notice its details and what it means for us. I want us to notice five things about Ezekiel's vision. First, the river starts within. Within the temple. Within the temple where God is present. Because the river flows from God himself. Before the river flows anywhere else, it first flows within God's people, individually and collectively. After all, we can't give away what we don't have. Or as Jesus put it positively, freely you have received, freely give. By ourselves, we don't have that much that's truly life-giving and transformational to give. We so quickly go dry if that river isn't bubbling afresh inside of us and among us. Yet here Ezekiel envisions an endless supply of, of fresh water flowing from God's presence for God's people. God is our nourishment and our satisfaction. God is an endless source of life. 
All that we really need, all of our deepest longings are provided for by those abundant life-giving waters. That's how Jesus lived. Jesus looked to, to God his Father for what he needed and to his Father's will for his joy. Jesus was constantly being refreshed, constantly being encouraged, constantly being refilled with, with hope and with power and with love and with insight and wisdom as Jesus stayed close to his Father and full of his Father's Spirit. And Jesus is teaching us to live the same way. So I've been asking myself, what's bubbling up within Regen? As God is, is leading us, as God is growing us, as God is present with us and among us, what's bubbling up? And here are a few of the things that, that I and, and our leaders have been noticing. First, hunger and thirst for Jesus is bubbling up. We are hungry and thirsty for more of Jesus, more of the living water that he offers. We want to know him more. We want to experience him more. We've tasted that Jesus is good and we want more of him. That's one thing I love about Regen. Second thing that's bubbling up, God is speaking to us. We, we really want to hear from, from God. And, and we're learning to listen to, to God's uh, voice, both for ourselves and for one another. We, we want to know both what God has to say to us and, and how God wants to direct our lives and what God might want to say uh, to others through us. And so we're learning to humbly and graciously share what we sense God saying that might be for others so that they can weigh and discern if it's from God. Third way that, that I sense God's life and presence is bubbling up. Healing. Many uh, of us have experienced healing, uh, physical healing, healing for our bodies, uh, emotional healing, healing for, for painful memories and, and past situations, um, healing for past trauma and hurts, healing in relationships as, as we're, we're learning to humble ourselves and to forgive or to offer forgiveness, to reconcile, as we're learning to sometimes set healthy boundaries in relationships. Healing as we're becoming more emotionally healthy, breaking unhealthy patterns, and learning to relate in healthier ways with family members and with one another. Healing. All these things, hunger and thirst for Jesus, hearing from God, healing, are things God is doing. Gifts that God, God is giving us, things that make us unique as a church. They're, they're gifts that are, that are bubbling up within us that we then get to share freely with others. That river flowing from God's presence is, is bubbling up within Regen, right? Which brings us to the second aspect of Ezekiel's vision of this river, and that is that the river flows out. It starts within, but it doesn't stay there. No, it flows out. If water doesn't flow, it gets stagnant, lifeless, nasty, it putrefies. Ezekiel's vision mentions the Dead Sea, right? The, the, the Dead Sea, maybe you know, is the lowest point on earth, and so water flows into it, 
but nothing ever flows out. The waters just evaporate, depositing silt and mud and salt and minerals. And the result is that the Dead Sea is still today the saltiest body of water on the planet. It's over 30% salt, which is 10 times how salty the oceans are. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Look at that salt. The Dead Sea is so salty that no fish or plant can survive in it or anywhere near it. Thus its name, the Dead Sea. Normally, water brings life, but, but this water is dead as a doornail. And that's what we become if the spiritual life that God pours into us just stays there and never flows out. To be fresh and clean and to stay life-giving, water has to flow. And, and so a spirituality that doesn't reach out and bless others doesn't stay vibrant for very long. Which is why I've always found that the best place to grow your faith is to join a group of others in reaching out and serving together. Sometimes at Regen, we call it a spiritual family on mission together. That's what Jesus did with his disciples, didn't he? They, they, they reached out together, spreading the good news, going to, to eat with and to befriend lost and lonely people, teaching people, healing, casting out demons. And, and, and that was the context in which Jesus helped his, his followers to grow spiritually. It's a brilliant strategy. Imagine Jesus being so brilliant. And I can tell you, as, as I've gotten to know various churches and church plants and missions groups and other ministries over the years, the ones that have been spiritually alive and vibrant and growing have been the ones that have a mission and, and that exist for something beyond themselves. Just as one example, in my 20s, I attended a church that was, was well-established. They had a really nice building, a large budget, a good reputation in the community, and one time during that time, I visited a small church plant. They were just getting started. They had a rented room. They had a shoestring budget. And for them, it was attract other people to Jesus or we don't survive for very long. <laughs> and I was struck by the vibrancy of this small group of people's faith and the joy and the expectancy compared to the church I was used to. They were a spiritual family on mission together. And the life of Jesus was bubbling up in them and it was flowing out to others. And that's happening here at Regen. And I can't wait to see it happen more. A number of you have, have told me about spiritual conversations that, that you've had with a friend or a coworker or, or a family member and, and little by little they're opening up to Jesus and they're starting to ask questions. Some of you have, have brought them here and, and they've come away intrigued and curious. They've had a taste of Jesus and they're open to more. They've experienced here or, or through you that, hey, Jesus is, is different and way better than the experience or the impression of church that I grew up with. So the question is, how can we continue to, to invite and welcome people to come and experience what's bubbling up among us? And how can we take that out as we go out to others? 
If God has given us hunger for more of Jesus and, and hunger and faith to, to hear from God and to, to uh, see God heal people, how can we share these gifts that are bubbling up in us with those outside? How can we get that river flowing out? Others of you work in school or you work with kids and, um, and you're up to your neck in the needs that those kids have. And you're wondering, is, is there more that you can do or is there more that we can do together to help? So we're wondering as leaders at Regen, are there, are there more ways we can come alongside those of you who God has placed in the lives of young people to, to support you, to resource you, to, to work with you, to, to bless and reach these kids? Also, another thing that God has been getting our attention about is the need um, for unity among the churches in this area. The needs in our community are, are bigger than us, Right? But there are a lot of churches. Imagine what we could accomplish together if we got better at working together and praying together for our area. So we're wondering, how can we take a step in that direction? So those are, are some areas regarding outreach that are on our radar that we're, we're paying attention to as we enter this new year. And so the river flows. And as it flows, it flows out. Can you picture that river flowing out? All right, let's move on to the third thing we see about this river in our passage. The river starts small, and it grows. The, the man giving Ezekiel this guided tour and this vision, probably this man is an angel, he points uh, this out, this, this, uh, the fact that in verse 6 he says, Son of man, do you see this? Do you see that this river grows as we go along? There's, there's no mention of, of streams or tributaries flowing in to join this river, yet as you travel down, uh, downstream, the river gets deeper and wider miraculously. It starts as a trickle under the temple door, and 4,000 cubits, which is a little over a mile later, it's a mighty river that no one can cross. <laughs> How can this be? Well, and what does this mean? Well, one lesson I think we're supposed to, to, to learn here is this. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. <laughs> Don't underestimate the future power of what may be just a little trickle now. Jesus teaches this lesson too. The kingdom of God, he says, is like a tiny mustard seed. The smallest of beginnings, yet eventually it grows to become the largest of garden plants. The water of this river is, is so alive, so potent, so life-giving, that it can even give life to itself and multiply itself, supplying its own momentum and its own increase until it's a vast, uncrossable torrent. Small beginnings. The kingdom of God began small, right? Just one man, Jesus, and a handful of followers, and they killed him three years into his mission. But he rose three days later, and he ascended 40 days after that, and by this time his followers numbered 120. Then at Pentecost, after a few more weeks, 3,000 were added. And so the movement grew against all odds. 
You know, we, we look around at, at this time and place that we live in 21st century America, and it might seem like Christianity's on the decline. Don't let that fool you because we're the exception. All around the world, the river is flowing from God, flowing from Jesus, and it's getting deeper and wider. It has been for 2,000 years. In the past century, not only are a higher percentage of the world's population following Jesus than ever before, but the world is a better place for it. Do you know that in the past century, for instance, life expectancy in the world has more than doubled? Infant mortality rates are plummeting, as are rates of extreme poverty. In countries where Christianity has been strong in the past couple hundred years, we've seen the abolition of slavery, the education of the masses, the provision of health care, the spread of democracy and freedom. Today, historians look back, and, and if they're honest and open, they're forced to face the question that Rodney Stark asks in his critically acclaimed book, The Rise of Christianity. He writes, Finally, all questions concerning the rise of Christianity are one. How was it done? How did a tiny and obscure messianic movement from the edge of the Roman Empire, dis how did it dislodge classical paganism and become the dominant faith of Western civilization? The river flows, and as it flows, it grows deeper and wider. Now, if you asked Stark how Christianity grew like this, or if you read his book, he'd tell you, while there were occasional dramatic moments where a John Wesley or a Hudson Taylor led scores of people to Christ. But most of the time, the way it grew was a little bit at a time. As ordinary people patiently lived out a life of faith and, and shared their faith with neighbors and family. As they made disciples passing on their faith to others in genuine and life-changing ways as they had children and adopted children and raised those kids to know Jesus, as they cared for each other, meeting the needs of each other and of their neighbors, and people were attracted by this lifestyle of, of servanthood and practical, merciful love. And so at Regen, we want to be a church that, that's growing and reproducing, a church where that river, year by year, is getting deeper and wider. Reproducing disciples, Reproducing the number of people who are actually following Jesus. Learning to know him, to be more like him, to do the things he did so that, that they in turn can then go and do the same thing for other people. Also reproducing leaders. We want to be a church that's raising up the, a, a new generation of leaders. We have so many gifted leaders at Regen. Gifted young leaders. And, and so investing in them empowering them, training them, and giving them room to, to grow, and, and of course to make some of the mistakes you make as a leader along the way if you're going to grow. And then here's the hard part. In time, God will no doubt send some of these leaders out to take the good things here at Regen and to share them in other places. And that will be hard, but we're going to have to be unselfish about that. Because God's river, the life of God's kingdom, eventually flows out. It reproduces disciples. It reproduces leaders. And then 
Third, as well, reproducing groups. Spiritual families on mission together. That's what you get when you have more disciples and more leaders that are stepping into the things God is putting on their heart to do, the things God is talking to them about. You get more groups of people doing life together, enjoying Jesus together, and reaching out on mission together. Pursuing some of the outreach opportunities I mentioned earlier, and no doubt others as well as God gives groups of people a vision and a purpose together, and as they find one another and go after that together. And so the river flows out, and as it flows out, it gets deeper and it gets wider. Can you picture it with me? Fourth, the river brings life to dead and barren places. God's people back then lived in the Middle East, which has a lot of desert, right? But Ezekiel's river flows into the desert where all is barren and life is difficult to sustain. And that river brings the desert to life. When I was a teenager one time, our family took a, a trip to Utah. And it was my first time driving out west. And we were in the old family car. We had no air conditioning. It was July. <laughs> the, the back seats were that old vinyl black leather. And, and your, your, your sweaty skin just stuck to those seats and, and didn't want to move. And, and so we're driving along and we get to Wyoming. And I had never been to a place in my life where there were so many colors of gray and brown. <laughs> and, and you drive for hours, right? If you've been out there and you don't see a green thing, at least in July. And everything's just, just grayish brown scrub. You felt like you were, you were traveling on the surface of the moon or something. And, and it, on and on it went for hours. And then I'll always remember this. We, we were so bored. We were so hot. We were out of our minds with boredom. We get to Utah, which is just as dry and gray and drab. And then we come over this rise and we start to descend into a river valley. And suddenly there's green. <laughs> At first, it's, it's some um, really hardy evergreens. And then as we continue descending and we get closer to the river, there are plants and bushes and more trees and grass. What a relief. I had never been so happy to see weeds in my life. <laughs> but that's what rivers do. That's what flowing water does. It brings life to dead and empty places. And that's what God is about. And that's what we're about as God takes up residence within us and flows out from us into barren and dead places, bringing life and flourishing. I remember seeing this dramatically in uh, a young girl that I went to college with. I'll call her Rose. Rose was so unhappy that, and she felt so poorly about herself that, that her head hung and her shoulders sagged. She, she wore her inner condition all over her physical frame. Well, some of the girls in our Christian fellowship that I was a part of befriended her, and they loved Rose right into a relationship with Jesus. And over the next year or so, we saw a transformation take place. It was like the sun coming out after weeks of, of cloudy rain, which we could all relate to right now. <laughs> Rose started to smile. 
She, she straightened up. She started to hold her head up. The, the life-giving waters were, were, were having their effect on her poor, thirsty, drooped soul. That's what the river that is the life of Jesus does. God has been doing that for people in this room. Right? <laughs> there are some amazing stories in, in this room being written on us of God's transforming, refreshing, life-giving, healing work, changing your lives. May we be faithful to, to continue to see many more. Can you picture the river flowing, bubbling up within Regen? Can you see it flowing out, getting bigger and stronger, bringing life to what's dead and barren? And then fifth, finally, the river gives nourishment and healing. In Ezekiel's vision, trees grow along its banks, fruitful, leafy, vibrant trees whose leaves do not wither and whose fruit doesn't fail. These trees are thriving, they're healthy, they're dependable. The leaves have, have the medicinal qualities to heal, and the fruit grows abundantly, 12 crops per year to feed those who are hungry. Because these trees are rooted in the river that flows from God's presence. God's heart is to take care of the needs of his creatures. No wonder Jesus healed the sick and fed the hungry. And as the river flows out of us, that's still God's intention today. You know the old kid's song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. So what did Jesus tell his his disciples when he sent them out two by two Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 he said heal the sick raise the dead cleanse those who have leprosy drive out demons freely you have received freely give Luke 12:33 Jesus tells his disciples sell your possessions and give to the poor in other words, let God's blessings flow out of us to feed the hungry, to, to heal those who need healing. God cares about his creatures, and he is making us into a people who care too. And so as God's river flows from God's presence, as it flows from us, it provides for the hungry with trees heavy with fruit, and for the sick and the broken with medicinal leaves that bring healing. No wonder Christians have been on the forefront of both building hospitals and praying for the sick in this country and around the world. Also around the world, uh, Christians are providing vaccines and treatments for things like dysentery and TB and malaria and AIDS and, and we're drilling wells of fresh water and we're feeding the hungry. And I can't wait to see what God inspires us to do, many of you to do uh, in, in the years ahead. Can you picture the river flowing from Regen, bringing healing and nourishment? The river of God starts bubbling up within as we're together in God's presence. Then it flows out 
As it flows out miraculously, it gets deeper and wider. And as it does, it brings life to dead and barren places and provides healing and nourishment. Can you picture it? <laughs> May it be so in and through us. Amen.